Today's episode is sponsored by Struggle Snuggles Ball Pythons. Struggle Snuggle is a small hobbyist breeder who wants to share the joy of ball pythons with new and experienced snake enthusiasts. Struggle Snuggle offers different types of morphs and standard non-morph pythons. Struggle Snuggle will offer insight on the first-time python owners and is available via email for questions on the continuation for healthy care of your new python. You can reach Struggle Snuggle through his Instagram at strugglesnuggle32257. That's strugglesnuggle32257. So you can get a look at the different type of snakes that he does own. Again, strugglesnuggle32257. His Instagram handle will be in the show notes. Now let's get on with the show. Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The podcast is about to begin. Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 85 of the Graveyard Grumbler podcast. I am your host, Tina Romero Jr., a.k.a. the Graveyard Grumbler. Today's episode number 85, we are going to go with some bizarre shit that I read on the internet, of course. I mean, where else do I get my information? But the old reliable, truthful internet where we see everything, read all everything, and we are everything. Today's episode is going to be about the Philadelphia Experiment. Now, for those of you who have no idea what the Philadelphia Experiment is, you're in for a treat. I had no idea what the Philadelphia Experiment was. And so when I started reading about it, I was kind of tripping balls because what is, what if the possibility is an actual reality that this might have, ha- have happened or we have the technology to achieve such goals. Well, let me, let's get into it. We're, we're going to go ahead and, and get into the Philadelphia experiment. So what is the Philadelphia experiment? The Philadelphia experiment is an alleged military experiment supposed to have been carried out by the U.S. Navy at the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in the United States, sometime around October 28th, 1943. The U.S. Navy destroyer, the Navy destroyer escort USS Eldridge was claimed to have been rendered invisible to enemy devices. So for those of you who are not sure or are kind of curious, just Google real quick U.S. Navy destroyer and look at the size of that fucking thing. The size of a destroyer is so massive that the sheer technology or the idea that someone can make the, or there was technology crazy enough to make a massive ship disappear or seemed invisible or cloaked are some of the words that I've seen thrown around regarding this experiment is completely insane. I mean, think about it. Okay. I can understand a bumblebee, maybe a shoe, even like a little small goat. I can understand making those invisible, but a whole ass naval ship carrier, a, a, a goddamn ship, a destroyer. No, that's some, that's some crazy ass Billy Jack bullshit right there that I can't, I can't get behind. That, that's crazily insane. The story of the Philadelphia experiment or, originated in late 1955 when Carl M. Allen sent an anonymous package marked Happy Easter containing a copy of Morris K. Jessup's book, The Case for the UFO, Unidentified Flying Objects, to the U.S. Office of Naval Research. Now, what blows my mind about this whole case is that This guy, Marcus Allen, or excuse me, Carl M. Allen, sent the book Happy Easter. Or he came, he contained, he sent the package that had the book Unidentified Flying Objects, written by Morris J. Morris K. Jessups to the Naval Office Research. So if if Homeboy was in his tinfoil hat and believing all of the conspiracies, why would he send it to the government, number one? That's, that's one of my main concerns or one of my main curiosities with this whole case. Why would he send it out to the naval shipping, to the naval office, if he was curious, worried, or if this stuff was actually true? You, you get what I'm saying? I don't understand why somebody would do that unless they wanted the Navy to know that they knew exactly what was going on. That could be very well the case. Let's continue. The book was filled with handwritten notes in its margins, written with three different shades of blue ink, appearing to detail a debate among three individuals, only one whom is given a name, Jimmy. 
They commented on Jessup's ideas about the propulsion for flying saucers, discussed alien races, and expressed concern that Jessup was too close to discovering their technology. So in this book, there's three individuals that, that had handwritten little notes and debates going back and forth regarding propulsion, alien races, flying saucers, and the fact that Mr. Jessup was getting too close to discovering the alien technology. So this book, titled Happy Easter, was sent to the Naval Office with all of these marginal notes written in it. But then again, why wasn't it sent to maybe a news network like the Associated Press or something of some merit, like maybe the New York Times, not Fox News, fuck Fox News. But something that has merit. But instead it was sent to the naval office where nine times out of nine plus one, add 10, minus zero, add one, carry the one, bring it down, minus one, add one. is going to snub, hide, and destroy any evidence pertaining to the truth of such technology. So right there, that that already raised my suspicion. Why would they send us to the Naval Office? Let's continue. The commenters referred to each other as gypsies and discussed two different types of people living in outer space. Their their texts contained non-standard use of capitalization and punctuation and detailed a lengthy discussion of the merits of various elements of Jessup's assumptions in the book. There were oblique references to the Philadelphia experiment. One commenter reassures his fellow editors who have highlighted a certain theory which Jessup advanced. So during this entire book, with the whole margin, they were arguing back and forth or discussing, debating, depending on how you look at it. Different aspects of the book, however, still agreeing and and revealing what Jessup has been writing about. And then all of a sudden they mention the Philadelphia Experiment. Hmm, were they there? How would they know about the Philadelphia experiment if they weren't involved or knew someone directly involved with such experiment? Let's find out. Shortly after, in January 19, shortly, shortly after January 1956, Allen began sending a series of letters to Jessup using his given name as well as Carlos Miguel Allende. The first known letter warned Jessup not to investigate the levitation of unidentified flying objects. Allen put forward a story of dangerous science based on published theories by Albert Einstein. Now, there was a whole bunch of things where Albert Einstein wrote a bunch of theories, but never published them because he deemed them too outrageous or too ridiculous to be proven true. A lot of people argue that those works that you could just look them up unpublished work by Albert Einstein and a whole bunch of shit, conspiracy, not conspiracy, alien related, not alien related. It's all going to come up. Everything's going to come up in a blunder of, of spewing golden fluid out of everywhere. A lot of people feel that Albert Einstein was onto something as far as flying objects and knew the technology that was being used. But because he was unswayed and only focused on winning the Nobel Prize and being the greatest physicist in the entire world, never really published or cared to help the government that we know of in any sort of way, shape, or form to progress on the, the discovery of, of such theories creating flying saucers or flying objects. But this individual now claims, yo, you shouldn't be looking up and, and investigating stuff. It's all bad. Do not do it. You're running into the danger zone. Danger zone. Let's continue. He further claimed a scientist named Franklin Reno put these theories into practice at the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard in October 1943. Allen claimed to have witnessed this experiment while serving aboard the SS Andrew Furseth. So according to Mr. Franklin Reno, he used what in what's what unpublished theories Albert Einstein created allegedly at least that's what I'm getting I can be completely wrong if I'm completely wrong let me know graveyardgrumbler at mail.com graveyardgrumbler podcast on podbean podchaser and good pods just let me know leave a comment let me know if you if I'm completely wrong on this or if I'm reading it appropriately so this scientist claimed that he put these these practices into work on the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard 
the unpublished theories that Albert Einstein had written but never put into practice or never put into play for reason knowing unknown to humankind, only known to him why he didn't do it. So what this individual saw was bizarre, unbelievable, and completely ridiculous. However, there were several witnesses, firsthand accounts to back and verify what Mr. Allen recorded and saw. So what exactly did he see? In Allen's account, a destroyer escort was successfully made invisible, but the ship inexplicably teleported to Norfolk, Virginia for several minutes and then reappeared in in the Philadelphia yard. So not only did this entire huge carrier destroyer escort become invisible, but nobody can explain how it teleported to Norf- Norfolk, Virginia, where it showed up. And there's written accounts. If you look into it, just look into Philadelphia Experiment, Destroyer. I sound like fucking Alex Jones when I say that shit. Just Google the, 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 the records showing exactly what was going on, the times and everything that, that was attributed to the reappearance of this, of this as Destroyer Escort. But what blows people's mind is how in the hell did, it, did they disappear a whole ass destroyer escort to where it reappeared in Norfolk, Virginia? Now, allegedly, according to accounts, this this actually happened with a whole ship of a, a crew ship, a crew a crewmates on board of the ship. It's kind of bizarre if you ask me. I mean, it's not it's not kind of bizarre. It's super bizarre to me that this was even a possibility. What makes it even more bizarre is that one of the greatest, most world-renowned physicists of all time wrote out the science to make it possible. I mean, we don't give scientists enough credit for the crazy shit they can think of and solve. We really don't. The ship's crew was supposed to have suffered various side effects, including insanity, intangibility, and being frozen in place. So allegedly, according to reports, the, the, the crew suffered insanity, intangibility, and being frozen. And they were they were they didn't have the capability or the pro, or the thought process enough to explain exactly what occurred. They they knew they knew what happened because they were on board, but a lot of them were discounted for suffering from insanity. They were they had the inability to speak, and nobody believed them for those reasons. Allegedly, what it is that the U.S. government, the naval, the the Navy decided that, yo, we are going to infect them with a certain gas or some sort of nerve agent that's going to have them, that's going to result in them having those symptoms and those side effects and resulting to insanity and other issues that are going to prevent them from speaking the truth. If you don't, if you don't believe me, go ahead and look that up where the government intentionally injected various agents to discover new weapons. God damn, I sound like Alex Jones. I need to stop saying that shit. Let's continue. When Jessup wrote back requesting more information to corroborate his, his story, Allen said his memory would have to be recovered and referred Jessup to what seems to be a non-existent Philadelphia newspaper article that Allen claimed covered the incident. So Jessup said, look, man, my memory's going to have to be rebooted like, on, like Tommy Lee Jones did on Men in Black 2. We're going to have to reboot and we're going to have to make sure that, that everything comes in because I'm working on Windows 3. But there's this news article, there's newspaper that shows exactly what happened and all your answers are going to be there. But when he went to go look for it, when, when, the, when the scientist, reporter, book writer went to go look for it, the newspaper was non-existent. So where's the dead end? Now, now, now they don't know how to get out. Now they're cat stuck in a pit. In 1957, Jessup was invited to the Office of Naval Research where he was shown the annotated copy of his book. Jessup noticed the handwriting of the annotations resembled the letters he received from Allen. Twelve years later, Allen would say that he authored all of the annotations in order to scare the hell out of Jessup. Now, that's classic intimidation and backpedaling on witnesses where, or people, yeah, witnesses and people who have legitimate evidence. They backtrack for fear of retaliation harm and i mean just flat out threats 
So it's not, it's not uncommon that Jessup is saying, yo, that shit never happened. I only want to do this to scare you. Although, wink, wink, blink twice, this shit really happened. This shit would happen in the really real world. But of course, nobody's going to believe him just for the fact that this, you're dealing with the, with, with, the, with the government and people are going to discredit, I mean, the government's going to discredit him and, and tell everybody that he's completely senile coop and whatever he's saying is not relevant. And it doesn't mean anything. But does that mean he's lying? Absolutely not. It doesn't mean that he's lying. Does it mean that he retracted what he said for fear of his life? 100%. Let's continue. Two officers at ONR, Captain Sidney Sherby and Commander George W. Hoover, took a personal interest in the matter. Hoover later explained that his duties as special projects officer required him to investigate many publications and that he ultimately found nothing of substance to the alleged invisibility experiment. Of course, because you're working for the goddamn government, man. Of course, you're not going to find anything that's relevant or, or, in, or distinguishable that's going to prove true on what these individual's allegations are. Why? I mean, I only have one thing to say. The Warren Committee. For those of you who missed that, check out the, the John F. Kennedy two-part episode where the Warren Commission completely refuses to admit that there was more than one shooter involved in the Kennedy assassination. I mean, there's been, there's been times all throughout history where the government is involved, and of course the government doesn't find anything unless they give us a bone that they want us to take in order for us to shut the hell up. Now, I know I sound like a conspiracy theorist, and I'm going to be honest with you. My headphones are crushing my tin foil hat right now, and I'm not very happy. It, 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 ta- it took me quite a while to get this molded perfectly to my big pumpkin head. But who, do, who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the government, as far as the Navy goes, that they are guilty of performing this, this experiment? Or are you going to believe someone else who's completely enthralled, obsessed, and may have talked or may have spoken with witnesses who saw this experiment, this successful experiment firsthand. I'm going with the latter. That's what I'm doing. Hoover discussed the annotations with Austin and Stanton, president of of Varro Manufacturing Corporation of Garland, Texas, during meetings about Varro's contract work for O&R. Stanton became so interested that Varro's office began producing mimographed copies of Jessup's book with the annotations and Allen's letters, first a dozen and eventually 127 copies. These copies came to be known as the Varro edition. So, I mean, he wants to get all this out because he's like, yo, this shit is actually really real, real. So we're going to figure this out and I'm going to put out a bunch of copies for the homies to read. That way we can come to an agreement, solve this and make a billion, gazillion, facillion, fulfillion, million dollars and live happily ever after. And just and expose the government for their twisted work once and for all. Besides noting handwriting of the individual named Jemmy, addressed as such by the others and using blue-violet ink, the anonymous introduction of, to the Varro edition concludes that there were two other individuals making annotations. Mr. A, identified as Alan Jessup in blue ink. Mr. B, in blue ink, in blue-green ink. Jessup tried to publish more books on the subject of UFOs, but was unsuccessful. Losing his publisher and experiencing a succession of downturns in his personal life led him to take his own life in Florida on April 30th, 1959. Now, we can can accept that maybe Mr. Jessup, who had one successful UFO book and failed after that, became broke in debt, probably owed a bunch of money to bookies, and instead of grabbing his fucking shine box and, and trying to get to work, he decided that, look, man, everything's against me. I'm going to end my own life. And again, for those of you who are suffering depression or need someone to talk about, here is my disclaimer. Please reach out to someone. It is better to speak with someone instead of no one at all. If someone is willing to listen to you, you just have to make sure that you put out that effort. I know it's difficult to make the first move and the first step forward. It really is. But I guarantee you, once you do that and you find someone who's going to listen to you, your world is going to be just a little better and you are valuable in this life. So please seek the help hotline. I do not have the numbers for the entire world. Just Google help hotline in my in my area or in your country or your respective province and, and get the help that, that you deserve. So let's continue. We, we can believe 
that Mr. Jessup decided to take his own life. Or we can believe, as proven very frequently in the government, like, I don't know, the assassination pamphlet that they put out around the same time that Marilyn Monroe died. Remember, it said, supply your, your, your suspect or your victim or your target with alcohol, make them depressed, isolate them from everyone else, and make it seem like a tragic suicide to where they have, or tragic event, and forcing them into taking their own life. I'm not saying that out of my neck. I'm not speaking wild on the yard right now. I'm, I'm almost quoting verbatim exactly what the pamphlet by the CIA was, was said and, and was printed and was released. And if you don't believe that, again, look it up. CIA assassination uh, uh, mode or, or what is it? Assassination tactics via drugs and alcohol and suicide. And it'll pop up. Look on DuckDuckGo, though. For me personally, I don't believe that Jessup t- uh, ended up taking his own life. I believe he was applied, forced, convinced, and pretty much backed into a corner to take his own life out of fear and intimidation. That's 100% what I believe. The various book writers who tried to get more information from Carl Allen found his response elusive or couldn't find him at all. One reporter from Allen's hometown of New Kenningston, Pennsylvania, interviewed his family and was handed a pile of documents and books. All scribbled was Allen's annotations. They described Allen as a fantastic mind, but also a drifter and a master leg puller. So several people who were interested in the case tried to come down to the bottom of it and see how truthful Mr. Allen was. In producing all of these annotations in regard in the book of in the UFO book that was written by by Jessup, but the crazy thing is that when when they went to go speak to his family, they 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 labeled him as a drifter and a master leg puller. Master leg puller for the youngins out there who don't understand the old folk talk, the old folk words. Master leg puller or a leg puller means that you're just jerking someone's chain, not jerking someone off. You're jerking someone's chain. You're lying to them. You're you're trying to get a rise, a little prank. You're tricking them. Just to get a rise out of people, just to make your life better, and and you can possibly laugh. That's all that master leg. That's what a leg puller is, and that's what the family described him as. See, that's not good for the case on Allen and prove and proving that such experiment actually had taken place. So, how did this experiment come to light? Of course, everything comes to light, especially when somebody you have more than one person involved. Things are going to come to light regardless if they want them to or not. And, th- you know, that's one of the reasons why it's difficult for me to believe that the moon landing was faked. I don't think the moon landing was fake because there was too many people involved to keep a secret. But let's continue. The experiment was allegedly based on an aspect of some unified field theory, a term coined by Albert Einstein to describe a class of potential theories. Such theories would aim to describe mathematically and physically the interrelated nature of the forces of electromagnetism and gravity. In other words, uniting their respective fields into a single field. Now, this was written by goddamn Albert Einstein. What's funny, okay, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trashing anybody. I'm really not, but I have a funny, funny story. Well, at least I thought it was funny. I'm going to share with all my podcast listeners. Welcome to all my new listeners. I appreciate everybody. And all to my old listeners, you already know what kind of humor I have, so... When I lived in the Pacific Northwest, we went to a party celebrating an individual's birthday. I don't remember actually who it was. It was a friend that we knew. So when we showed up, me being me, the same way that I am on the podcast, it's the same exact way. The same way that I am on live is the same way that I am in real life. I'm exactly the same person 24 hours, seven days a week. Well, when this, this other guy that we met was a husband of, of one of the gals that were friends with my wife and, and the, the little clique that they hung out with, the little, the little, the little woman clique that hung out with each other, they, were, they all knew each other and they were all married. And of course, by default, husbands usually have to speak to other husbands during, during the wife's meet and greets when they're all hanging out with each other. I don't know why. That's just the way it is ever since the beginning of time. So when I was there hanging out at this birthday party, I was enjoying my little juice box. I was sipping away. I was sip, sip, sipping on some sister. When this dude comes up to me and asks me, number one, if I was a flat earther, I already knew the conversation was going all bad and everything was going to go south right then and there. 
So I told him, no, I'm not a flat earther. I have no idea what that means. And I, I don't feel like, I, I don't know what language you're speaking to me right now, but I'm going to find it a little disrespectful. So we're going to have to change your tone. You're coming at me all wrong, right? No, I'm just kidding. I didn't tell him that. I just said, no, man, I'm not a flat earther. So he proceeded into telling me what flat earth was about. And I was like, okay, man, I, I haven't really heard of the flat earth theory at this time. This was about seven years ago, eight years ago. Okay, fine. You know, I, I never heard I never heard of the flat earth theory at the time. So yeah, fill me in. I'm always up for educating and getting to know things that I don't know. So he was explaining to me the flat earth theory, and I was like, Yeah, that's bullshit. Whatever, dude. And then he went on to tell me, Do I know? He asked me, Do I know who Albert Einstein is? And I said, Of course I do. He's one of the most brilliant minds in the entire existence of, of physicists and scientists. And he looks at me and with a straight, bold faced no bullshit look in his eye. This fool said, you know, he was wrong, right? And I looked at him and I said, well, of course he is. He's a scientist. He's scientists are wrong all the time. That's why they do, they, they work out their theories, their experiments, their trials and errors, and eventually they get it right. He's like, no, I figured out what he messed up on. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, all right. Lay it on me, homie. Tell me what it is. And so he, pre he, he went on to tell me about a calculation Regarding Einstein's theory on relativity. Now, for those of you who, who don't know who Albert Einstein is, again, he's one of the most brilliant minds in the entire world. You know, E equals MC squared. He created that formula. He is one of the most smartest. He's one of the most recognized physicists of all time. And has Albert Einstein, along with other physicists, made mistakes? Most definitely. But then again, when Albert Einstein discovered relativity and wrote his theories and all, all his papers working on it, this man dedicated his entire life. I mean, we're talking about several years of reformulating, recalculating, and refiguring the math in order for his theory of relativity to make sense to the corresponding and fellow colleagues and other respected physicists. So this guy right here, this, this dude, this, this, this homeboy tells me he figured out where Albert Einstein miscalculated and miswrote, misinterpreted a piece of formula, rendering all of his work on relativity, com relativity completely wrong, debunking the round earth and defaulting into a flat earth that, we, that he knows now, not the one that's real. And so I looked him dead in his eyeballs. I said, yo, man, are you a physicist? No. Oh, are you a mathematician? No. Have you ever taken calculus or physics? No. And these were my exact words. And I feel, you know, I, I mean, I know it was a little crass, but I looked him in his eyeballs in the windows to his soul. And I said, you're not a physicist? No. You're not a scientist? No. You're not even a math magician? No. Then what the fuck are you talking about that you figured out something that Albert Einstein supposedly fouled up in his writings of the theory of relativity. And so he proceeded to try to show me what it was. And this motherfucker decided to put four divided over three times two, the square root of seven under an X, and then put a fraction sign in his mouth. I said, okay, stop, stop, stop right now. Coincidentally and ironically, if you, if you, if you want to think about it, I was actually reading a lot about Albert Einstein. You know, periodically I try to put on my smart glasses and read about, you know, physicists because I wanted to try to understand their crazy ass brain. And so when I pulled up the papers of relativity and showed him the formula, they showed nothing compared to what he was doing. I mean, he wasn't even in the ballpark to try to figure out what was going on. If you're at least going to try to make something up and try to say that you're going to prove something wrong, at least copy the dude's work so you can have the same goddamn writing and formulas in the, in the, on paper to try to disprove something that isn't disprovable. But no, this dude was just writing random nonsense, nonsensical shit, making his complete argument ridiculous and irrelevant. And I walked away. I just looked at him and I said, you're a fucking idiot, man. And I walked away. Was a little bit rude? Yes. And you know how I know it was rude? Because everybody who was standing around me said, wow, Tino, that's pretty rude. And I just looked at him. I said, look, man, okay, it might be rude, but you know what's even, you know what's even ruder than that is that somebody wasted my fucking time when I could have been enjoying another juice box. But no, 
one of the most brilliant minds and you're telling me that that you figured out that he fucked something up. Get out of here. Okay, but let's continue. I, I went on a tangent. So mathematically and physically, uh, Albert Einstein said that there was a potential way to, to put these two together, making them one, and of course, making them shit that's completely never heard of of this world. According to some accounts, unspecified researchers thought that thought that some versions of this field would enable using large electrical generators to bend light around an object via refraction so that the object became completely invisible. The Navy regarded this as of military value and it sponsored the experiment once it was brought to their attention. Could you imagine if, it, if in, in, invisibility was a legit thing? Do you know how many wars and how many countries we would have dominated? It, it's unfathomable. Unfa- I already fucked up a word already. I'm trying to sound. I'm trying to sound big. Talk about physics, and I'm trying to use big words, but I have cotton mouth, so I couldn't even say that word. Unfathomable. Is that word? Is 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 unfathomable a word? Like flammable? Is that is that the same thing? <laughs> Another un, unattributed version of the story proposes that researchers were preparing magnetic and gravitational measurements of the seafloor to to detect anomalies supposedly based on Einstein's attempts to understand gravity. In this version, there were also related secret experiments in Nazi Germany to find anti-gravity allegedly led by SS, holy mother of Jesus, Opergruppenhagenfuhr Hans Kammler. And I fucked that name up, and I apologize to all my German-speaking fans out there. My bad. So we're just going to say led by SS Hans Kammler. Even Nazis were experimenting because of the truth and possibility of this actually being a thing. There were no reliable, attributable accounts, but in most accounts on the supposed experiment, USS Eldridge was, Eldridge was fitted with the required equipment at the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard. Testing began in the summer of 1943, and it was supposedly successful to a limited extent. One test resulted in Eldridge being rendered nearly invisible, with some witnesses reporting a greenish fog appearing in its place. So allegedly, this this thing actually happened, and there were several witnesses and papers document reports showing that... The research and the numbers actually matched, making this a realistic experiment. How realistic? It's so realistic that the Nazis were even messing with it. It's so realistic that they are putting they're they are pulling reports and theories written by one of the most brilliant physicists of all time. No, I'm not talking about Neil deGrasse Tyson. We're talking about Albert Einstein. He wrote papers discovering things that, believe it or not, might on, I mean, at least on paper, shows that this technology is actually real. Who wouldn't want to get their hands on it? Could you imagine if Nazi Germany were able to successfully complete the theories that Albert Einstein wrote about? This entire world would be Nazi Germany right now, up to right now, because there would be nobody rebelling dumb enough, dumb enough to rebel against in, in, invisible, think about it, invisible tanks. Invisible soldiers, even being able to teleport behind enemy lines, being able to destroy their entire base. And now you think about the Navy and, and the multiple shipping yard or, or ships being able to disappear and, and penetrate enemy lines, even even freaking airplanes, fighter planes. If that got into the hands of the wrong people, example, Nazi Germany or Adolf Hitler, this world would have, there would have been a completely different outcome. It would have been insane on, on, the, on the amount of, of evil and domination that Germany would have if they would have been able to discover and use this type of technology. Let's continue. Crew members complained of severe nausea afterwards. Also, reportedly, when the ship reappeared, some sailors were embedded in the metal structures of the ship, including one sailor who ended up on a deck level below than where he began and had his hand embedded in the steel hull of the ship, as well as some sailors who went completely bananas. That makes sense. You have these molecules and these atoms vibrating so much that they separate, rendering this, this inanimate steel chunk of ship invisible. 
what's going to happen with the individuals on the ship? They're going to, they're going to, they're going to disappear as well. But when they reappear, things are going to solidify and go back to its normal, normal state that it, that it was originated originally in. But people were stuck in the metal. Their minds were completely fucked up so bad that they went insane, completely bananas in the reports. For those of you who, who listen to, who, who read comic books, just think about it. That's like Flash vibrating so hard, so fast that he's able to penetrate solid steel because of his molecules separating him, making him pretty much invisible. It's the same concept. And when he, if, if he were to reappear or stop vibrating fast enough, making himself a, a whole, a whole uh, individual again, a whole mass, and he wasn't completely through the, ad, the object that he was getting through, he would be embedded in a part of that, of that object. And it's the same theory. Let's continue. There is also a claim that, exp, that the, it, there is also a, a claim the experiment was altered after the point at the request of the Navy, Navy, limiting it to creating a stealth technology that would render USS Eldridge invisible to radar. None of these allegations have been independently substantiated. I believe that. That one I do believe. Re- readjusting it to where the ship was, it was rendered invisible from radar. And we could fuck up a lot of people if, we're, if, we're, if we can't be detected on radar. That's the whole thing. Let's not be discovered. Let's not be found. And let's continue. And let's go whoop some, some ass. Some bootay shakes. You know what I'm saying? Let's continue. The con- conjecture then claims that the experiment was not properly recalibrated, but that in spite of this, the experiment was repeated on October 28, 1943. This time, Eldridge not only became invisible, but it disappeared from the area in a flash of blue light and teleported to Norfolk, Virginia. Over 200 miles away, or for all of my listeners who don't use, who use the metric system, 320 kil- kilometers away, or kilometers. That's a that's a long that's a ways to be to transport and disappear and then come back. Could you imagine if the world actually invented teleportation? You know how much cleaner our our world would be. But that would never happen. You know why? Because the the the, the capitalist comp- people in our comp- in our country. No, I'm all for capitalism done right. I'm not done. For, I'm not. I'm not for greedy capitalist. But technology like that would never see the light of day. For the fact that if we start teleporting everywhere and we stop using petrol, we stop using cars, people are going to start losing money, and people don't like it when they lose money. So they're going to do everything they can to prevent that from actually occurring. They want to keep draining our pockets. Buy a bigger car. Buy a flashier car. Use more fuel. We can never have teleportation in this world. Not until the world, not until the earth is completely fucked up beyond repair. By the way, global warming is real. There's my political uh, drop for, for this episode. It is claimed that Eldridge sat for some time in view of men aboard the ship, SS Andrew Furoseth. Whereupon Eldridge vanished and then reappeared in Philadelphia at the site it had originally occupied. It was also said that the warship went approximately 10 minutes back in time. So that is insane that, that we were able to not only, not only teleport to a different place, become invisible, but we also went back in time 10 minutes. How many of you think that this is actually true? I want to know. Graveyardgrumbler at mail.com. Graveyardgrumbler podcast on Instagram, Podbean, and Good Pods. I want to know what you guys think. Drop me a line. I'm curious to know if you really think that, that the Philadelphia experiment was a legitimate thing. And if so, what makes you think, what makes you think that that kind of technology would be, would be unleashed on the public? Well, I mean, the military, 100%. I mean, that's no doubt. That's, that's already a given that the military is going to have that technology. But for everyday common people, we can't teleport and go back in time. There's no way. There's no way that we're going to be able to do that. Oh, I tell you. Many versions of the tale include descriptions of serious side effects for the crew. Some crew members were said to have been physically fused to bulkheads while others suffered from mental disorders. Some rematerialized inside out and still others vanished. It is also claimed that ship's crew may have been subjected to brainwashing to maintain secrecy of the experiment. 
Now, I 100% believe that there was brainwashing involved if this experiment was true and successful. Do you really think that the government, the Navy, the military of all people want us to have this information led, available to our discretion, knowing that some of their loved ones were refused or, or, or rematerialized inside out? Their innards were their outers. They were also fused to parts of the ship where, of course, they were died. How do you get people out? And of course, most of all, they were suffered from mental disorders because of the the dematerialization de- 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 of their fucking body. I 100% believe brainwashing was involved in this. And that is one of the reasons why the Philadelphia experiment is such a big deal. Is that even if it's true, who knows, since the entire crew either died, have become so sick mentally and physically that they were, they were unable to give direct accounts. And of course, fear and intimidation. So where's the evidence? Where is the research and the evidence proving that this might have occurred? The historian Mike Dash notes that many authors who publicized publicized the Philadelphia Experiment story after that of Jessup appeared to have conducted little or no research of their own. Though the late 1970s, for example, Alan Alan Day slash Allen was often described as mysterious and difficult to locate. But Gorman determined Allende slash Allen's identity after only a few telephone calls. Others speculate that much of the key literature emphasizes dramatic embellishment rather than pertinent research. Berlitz and Moore's accounts of the story, the Philadelphia Experiment Project Invisibility, claim to include factual information such as transcripts of an interview with a scientist involved in the experiment. But their work has also been criticized for plagiarizing key story elements from the novel Thin Air, which was published a year earlier. You know, the thing is, if someone writes a fictional book, but that fictional book has a lot of realistic events that that might have occurred and then end up occurring, of course people are going to discount it. They're going to think that it's plagiarism because it was a fantasy book already taken. But when you have the dead on research showing that this research is actually real and this shit actually occurred. Why wouldn't they believe it? But now see, it's all, it's all a master game. And I sound such like a fucking conspiracy. There's my, my tinfoil hat is really tight on my head right now. I'm rocking this shit. But when you can, when you can discredit someone and keep the secret out in the open, but it's still a secret, but nobody believes it. What's the best way to keep a secret is out in the open. What's the best way to hide is out in the open. So again, the government and the military especially is going to do everything they can to discredit and make sure that nobody believes them. Crazy, right? I agree. What do you believe? What do you think? Graveyardgrumbler at mail.com. Graveyard Grumbler podcasts on Instagram, Podbean, and Good Pods. Personnel at the 4th Naval District have suggested that the alleged event was a misunderstanding of routine research during World War II at the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard. An earlier theory was that the foundation for the apocryphal stories arose from degaussing experiments which have the effect of making a ship undetected or invisible to magnetic minds. Eh, they're just trying to cover it up, saying, yo, this is not one of those things we, we, we were doing. We were just playing. And this is what happened. So don't believe us. Boy, I tell you. Another possible origin of the stories about levitation, teleportation, teleportation, and effects on human crew might be attributed to experience with the generating plant of destroyer USS Timmerman, whereby a higher frequency generator produced corona discharges, although none of the crew reported suffering effects from suffering effects from the experiment. There's going to be experiments and crazy ways and that people are going to discover all throughout time. Experiments are conducted every single day on, on mankind and animals. That's just a given fact. If you don't believe it, I'm sorry, but it's the truth. Human experimentation is a real thing. People just don't admit it because it's cruel and unethical. So, of course, everyone's going to throw things out, say, hey, man, we already tried this. This is where the misunderstanding came from. How is it a misunderstanding if the people who are reporting it were never involved in the prior experiments? That's my thing. My, my curious thing is, why was this word corona discharges thrown in that, in that experiment? Did you catch that? Another possible origin of the stories about levitation, teleportation, and effects on human crew might be attributed to experiments with the generating plant of the destroyer USS Timmerman. 
whereby a higher frequency generator produced corona discharges, although none of the crew reported suffering effects, suffer, reported suffering effects from the experiment. Now, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but that that, that word in there is gonna is gonna trigger. I'm gonna trigger the 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 I'm gonna trigger some people saying, yo, see, coronavirus was created by the government, and that's what's fucking us all up. It's graveyard grumbler said it. No, graveyard grumbler didn't say that. This is a completely different corona, buddy. Not not the alcohol either. Observers had argued that it is inappropriate to grant credence to an unusual story promoted promoted by one individual in the absence of corroborating evidence. Yeah, you can't believe one story and and discredit another one when both of them have evidence. That's just not a deal. It's either everything or nothing, bro. you, You can't, you can't, you can't pick and choose because you want it to fit your narrative. Bullshit. Robert Gorman wrote in Fate magazine in 1980 that Carlos Allende, Carl Allen, both names, same person, who is said to have corresponded with Jessup was Carl Murdoch Allen of New Kingston or New Kingston, Pennsylvania, who had an established history of psychiatric illness and who may have fabricated the primary story of the experiment as a result of his mental illness. You know, that's what I was one of the things that I was going to say. Was how much of mental illness is involved in this issue? And one thing is, is how can one individual with, with the mental illness cause so much upbringing or so much uprising and so much conspiracy that we're willing to let everything go? Now, I'm not saying that this is true and I'm not saying this is false. All I'm telling you is that this is the information that was given to me via Wikipedia. Because, I mean, we all know Wikipedia is true, right? <laughs> Gorman later realized that Allen was a family friend and a creative and imaginative loner, sending bizarre writings and claims. Also, now they're homies. So let's just continue with the story because they're homies. Get the the fuck out of here. Problems with the information. See, everything sounds solid when you bring in Albert Einstein. But the problem is that the information varies and it's difficult to pinpoint one source of legitimate source of, of information and evidence. Right, right. I mean... The USS Elbridge, let's continue. The USS Elbridge was not commissioned until August 27th, 1943. And it remained in port in New York City until September 1943. The October experiment allegedly took place while the ship was on its first shakedown cruise in the Bahamas, although proponents of the story claim that the ship's logs might have been falsified or else still be classified. And that's 100% true. That is 100% legitimate that all of these records can be can be altered in the fact to fit the narrative where the government is lying and hiding shit to make sure that we don't have disappearing time-traveling ships that's going to fuck up the entire world. By the way, the United States is the strongest, most built, most heavily funded military in the entire world, by the way. That is one of those things that it doesn't, you can't, you can't deny. I mean, the, the U.S. military is dominating the entire world with as much money that we that we have putting inside of this thing. So what with all that money going in, what makes you think that we don't have disappearing ships going on and time traveling? I don't know. I don't I don't know if I believe it or not. I'm just I'm just trying to believe it because I want to. That's pretty fucking cool. The Office of Naval Research, or the ONR, stated in September 1996, ONR has never conducted investigations on radar invis- invisibility either in 1943 or at at any other time. Pointing out that the ONR was not established until 1946, it denounces the accounts of the Philadelphia experience as complete science fiction. Of course, you can't have an ONR discover things that aren't discoverable because they just didn't want to deal with it, but the truth might still be there. You know what I mean? It just doesn't make any sense not to. But, hey... Again, it's the it's the government that's trying to trying to make sure that we don't believe and we don't see time traveling disappearing ships. All I want can I can I get a disappearing car? That way I don't have to pay fuel anymore. I wonder what my insurance would be. My insurance would probably be higher because I'm now I'm disappearing. What if I fuck up and end up inside of a a, a pole or something? That'd be my luck. A reunion of Navy veterans who had served aboard USS Elridge told a Philadelphia newspaper in April 1999 that their ship had never made port in Philadelphia. Further evidence discounting the Philadelphia experience timeline, experiment timeline comes from the USS Eldred's complete World War II action report, including the remarks section of the 1943, 
including the remarks section of the 1943 deck log available in, on microfilm. Researcher Jacques Vallée described a, pr a procedure on board USS Ingstrom, which was docked alongside the Eldridge in 1943. The operation involved the generation of powerful electromagnetic field on electromagnetic field on board the ship in order to deperm or degauss it, with the goal of rendering the ship undetectable or invisible to magnetically fused undersea mines and torpedoes. So, according to According to the individuals, this shit never happened. And these were supposed crewmates together. I say supposed because I don't put back, I don't put anything past the military to keep anything a secret. This system was invented by a, by a Canadian, Charles F. Goodeve, when he held the rank of commander in the Royal Canadian Naval Volunteer Reserve and the Royal Navy, and other navies used it widely during World War II. British ships of the era often included such degaussing systems built into upper decks. The conduits are still visible on decks of HMS Belfast in London, for example. Degaussing is still used today. However, it has no effect on visible light or radar. Valet speculates that, the, that accounts of USS Ingstrom's degaussing might have been garbled and con confabulated in subsequent, subsequent retellings, and that these accounts may have influenced the story of the Philadelphia Experiment. Eh, I could believe that. It's a fishtail. You hear this, it's like telephone. You hear this, you hear that. It goes here, it goes there. Everybody wants to say everything and everything gets blown out of proportion. I don't know. I still want to know if we have disappearing time-traveling fucking ships. That's what I want to know. Valet cites a veteran who served on board USS Ingstrom and who suggests it might have traveled from Philadelphia to Norfolk and back again in a single day at a time when merchant ships could not, by use of the, by use of the Chesapeake and Delaware Canal, and Chesapeake Bay, which at the time was open to only naval vessels. So it was a one-way road for only Navy vessels. So, of course, when people can't see the ship because it's taking the side route, people are going to say, yo, it disappeared. Now it, it reappeared here in the ship, but I never saw it. Well, of course you never saw it. It took the scenic route, man. It took the, the secret hush-hush way. Use of that canal was kept, use of that channel was kept quiet. German submarines had ravaged shipping along the East Coast during Operation Drumbeat, and, the, and thus military ships unable to protect themselves, were secretly moved via canals to avoid the threat. That makes sense, but I still believe we have disappearing time-traveling destroyer ships. Although at the same time, I don't, because if we did, the military would use that against for their, for their benefit and, and take over the goddamn world. The same veteran claims to be the man that Allende witnessed disappearing at a bar. He claims that when a fight broke out, friendly barmaids whisked him out of the bar before the police arrived because he was underage for drinking. They then covered for him by claiming that he had disappeared. Yeah, keep that shit on the hush-hush. That's my boy. He's under there drinking. The fight broke out, so he's, he's, the, he's a punk. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know the guy. He probably could beat my ass. I, I don't doubt it. So Graveyard Grumbler's final round. Let's go ahead and wrap this episode up. I mean, there's a lot of things to think about. If, you're, if, if you think that this ship was, this experiment was real, let me know. GraveyardGrumbler at mail.com. Graveyard Grumbler podcast on Instagram, Podbean, Good Pods, and Podchaser. I want to know. For me personally, I honestly don't believe that this was a thing. I don't think the technology is there just yet. Maybe here in the future, we might have it since we are discovering more and more creations and machines that can help us live out and, and, and try the different theories that have been written about by one of the most brilliant minds. No, not the guy at the, at the party who told me that he figured out Albert Einstein's mistake in his, in his relativity uh, formulas. Not that guy. I'm not talking about that brilliant mind. I'm talking about the Albert Einstein, the actual brilliant mind who wrote crazy books about the relativity of theory. It's goddamn insane. So witnesses claim an eerie green blue, an eerie green blue glow surrounded the whole of the ship as her generator spun, and then suddenly the Elbridge disappeared. The ship was then seen in Norfolk Naval Shipyard in Virginia, in Virginia before disappearing again and reappearing back in Philadelphia. Now, that is hard to believe, but unfortunately, because they said that there was a hidden channel on the left side, on the back side, on the flip side, that explains why nobody saw the ship and it reappeared in Norfolk, Virginia, and then went back again in Philadelphia just what seemed like a few minutes later. I mean, that's going to take a blow to my theory of time-traveling, disappearing ships. But it makes sense. I mean, I don't want it to be true, but it sounds true. Boy, I tell you. The legend states that classified military documents reported that, Eldridge, that the Eldridge crew were affected by the events in disturbing ways. 
Some went insane. Others developed mysterious illness, but others still were said to have been fused together with the ship, still alive, but with limbs sealed to the metal. I'm not sure how much of that is true again, but I also... But I also understand that if that if if someone actually saw that shit, you just have your homeboys fused together in metal part surrounding the ship. Ew, that'd be gross, and that that would be shitty for the people. How do you get them out? You can't you can't weld them. You can't torch cut them out because you'll burn them and cut the fuck out of their their body limbs. All in all, unfortunately, I don't think that this experiment was a real thing. I, I think that this was just one of those fish tales that ended up growing up so big. Maybe someone possibly more than likely had mental illness and started sending letters to government officials. They investigated and it legitimately was not a deal. Now, for those of you who might not believe me, check out A Beautiful Mind. A Beautiful Mind is a fantastic film about schizophrenia. It's an amazing film and, and it, it actually pinpoints a lot of crazy... It pinpoints a lot of crazy delusions and a lot of things that, unfortunately, mental health sufferers deal with. It's a brilliant film. I I love it. I I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. So, unfortunately, I hate to break it to you, but I can't can't believe that there is a disappearing time-traveling destroyer. Because if they did, we would would rule the world. We would own the entire world if we had that type. If we had that type of... of, uh, technology there there'd be no we would there would be no way we wouldn't use it for for evil there'd be no way so announcements i have been going live lately i went live a couple times already and i've actually love it now my live dates i'm probably going to set once a week i don't want to do live more than once a week i will do live on probably my schedule is changing here i'm going to have wednesday thursday friday off and so i'm probably going to do lives on thursday that way i have two extra days to work on the patreon and the normal podcast because i've been piling a lot of shit on me lately. I've been working on two extra podcasts that I want to release as well. Hopefully it, they take off as, as well as, as this one has been taking off. I appreciate everybody's support. I really do. If you're, if you're looking for more, more, more grumbler, you want more, you want more episodes that I don't release because they're too graphic. Join my Patreon. My Patreon has more episodes. I'm gonna. I have. I have spooky stories on there. I have uh, confessions on there, and I also have more graphic episodes on there that I don't release on the regular pod, just for the fact that I don't know the demographic and I don't want to upset a parent. And then they, you know, then they tell them, "Hey, you can't listen to the show anymore." It's already bad enough that I use the language that I do, but I don't want to torment and someone Google what something that I talk about in the episode, and it completely fucks up their mind. I don't want to do that. So at least when you're on a paywall. You know what you're going to get. Viewer discretion or listener discretion is advised. I also give several warnings when the, the material is really graphic. I do give warnings. So if you're interested in, in getting more episodes, more of the Graveyard Grumbler podcast, go ahead and jump on the Patreon. Just look up my name, Tina Romero, on the Patreon. The link will be in the description. You can follow it that way. And I look forward to you joining the Patreon. I really do. And it, it, it has nothing to do with the money grab. It really just has to do with putting extra into the podcast and adding more stuff and just, you know, using resources and materials for my time. That's all it is. It's, it's nothing bad. I'm, I'm always going to run the, the graveyard of Grimler podcast with or without the Patreon, but I, I, I do appreciate everyone's support. Thank you very much for the people who are on my Patreon. Other than that, there's nothing else. No other announcements. Oh, uh, struggle snuggles just is the proud parent of, I believe six or five new boa ball pythons. Congratulations to Struggle Snuggle. Again, if you're interested in purchasing one of the new babies or one of his clutch or the new little newborns for your first boa uh, boa or ball python uh, reptilians, go ahead and reach out to Struggle Snuggles. He's actually a really good guy. That is my brother. I am going to vouch. He is a really good guy. He really takes a lot of, he takes really good, good care of his animals, of his reptiles. He really does. They're beautiful. They're beautiful creatures. I'm not even a snake person. I don't like snakes that much, but they are beautiful creatures. They really are. And he takes them in. The cool thing about him is that if you reach out to him through email, which his email will be put on the on the show notes as well, he will walk you step by step on the initial care setup, what you need, and exactly how to keep your snake, your new snakey alive. All right. Well, other than that, there's nothing else to announce. I appreciate everyone's support from the bottom of my heart. Please share, like, and go rate my show in every place that you can rate. Pod Chaser, Good Pods, Apple. 
it, it helps it helps the, the growth of my show. I, I, and, I, and honestly, it just it makes me feel good that way. If I see something negative, I can try to fix it. But if they're just being an asshole, then obviously I'm just going to keep doing what I do. Other than that, I appreciate everyone. Thank you so much. And as always, good morning, good day, good night, goodbye. This is the end. This is the end. This is the end. Beautiful friend. Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Struggle Snuggles Ball Pythons. Struggle Snuggles is a small hobbyist breeder who wants to share the joy of ball pythons with new and experienced snake enthusiasts. Struggle Snuggle offers different types of morphs and standard non-morph pythons. Struggle Snuggle will offer insight on the first-time python owners and is available via email for questions on the continuation for healthy care of your new python. You can reach Struggle Snuggle through his Instagram at Struggles Snuggle32257. That's Struggles Snuggle32257. So you can get a look at the different type of snakes that he does own. Again, Struggles Snuggle32257. His Instagram handle will be in the show notes.